prepare for that, that, that uh, series as we get set up here. We have a video. Baptized since you accepted Christ as your Savior and you desire to be baptized this morning, there is water. It is ready. You can jump in. You can be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as a public confession of your faith in Jesus Christ. Baptism is this public confession of our faith. We're going we're to continue our series this morning by faith. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in Hebrew some, we're going to be in Genesis some, we're going to be in the Bible, so you should bring your Bible to church um, because that's what we preach from is the Bible. Amen? Amen. We're talking this morning about Jacob and the way Jacob leaned on his staff. But before we get there, I want to talk about and just mention some ways of worship because when we read this passage that we're going to get to today, it says that he leaned on his staff and he worshiped. I want to talk about worship for just a few minutes. You might want to write these scriptures down. These are some ways that we're, that, that worship is is mentioned in scripture. Of course, Genesis chapter 4, we're going to dig into this this morning. It says, the man Jacob bowed down and worshiped the Lord. So there was a bowing down in, in this act of worship. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 6 says, Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the peoples lifted their hands and responded, amen, amen. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So that's a really cool passage. It's a really cool passage because it, 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 gives, it gives several ways that there was worship. They lifted their voices. They lifted their voices together. They were loud together. They, they lifted their voices. They, they lifted their hands in worship. They, they said amen and amen and amen. And I don't know if it's going to work this morning on the screen, but, but it might even pop up amen there on the screen. Amen and amen and amen. We believe that you can shout and you can lift your voices and you can lift your hands to, and you can, you can amen. Did it show up? There it is. You can amen as an act of worship. We might start doing that like every Sunday just so you know when it's time. And the church said, amen. Then they bowed down, the scripture says, and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So they, they, went from a, they went from a posture of celebration to a posture of repentance and humility, all as an act of worship. Let's see, let's see what else we got. Psalm 95, verse 6 says, come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. There is, there is, there is freedom in worship. I want you to know, church. That when we are in worship, when we are in, a, in our time of, of singing and praise and worship to the Lord, you are welcome. You are not only welcome, you are encouraged and invited to lift your hands. The Spirit may come upon you and you may feel overwhelmed by the presence of God. You are welcome to bow on your knees and just worship Him in humility. You are free to worship the Lord as Scripture leads. Psalm 96, 9 says, Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Psalm 102 says, Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Joyful songs make you smile. They make you dance a little bit. 
it's okay. It's okay to dance a little bit. Amen? Right? You can dance for Jesus. Hebrews 12, 28 says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. Well, some will say, well, you're supposed to worship him with reverence and awe. I would agree, but reverence and awe, according to Psalms, sometimes means you dance. Reverence and awe, according to Psalms, sometimes means you clap your hands. Reverence and awe, according to Psalms, sometimes means you lift your hands and you shout and you move around. Reverence and awe, sometimes means you bow with your face to the ground. Reverence and awe, sometimes means you cry and you tremble. Reverence and awe is what is acceptable to God, and it's our response to God, and it's our response to worship in the situation and the moment that we are in. Psalm 20, verse 5 says, We will shout for joy when you are victorious, and we will lift up our banners. We will shout for joy. Psalm 33, 3 says, sing to him a new song, play skillfully, and shout for joy. Sing to him a new song. God puts melodies, words of testimony in our spirits and in our hearts when we sing a new song. That's really what, what songs are. They're, they're testimonies set to worship. They're testimonies of the greatness and the goodness of God. They're scripture set to worship, music to, to note and melody. For Psalm 47.1 says, clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. Shout to God. Shout to God as the people remain silently sitting on their hands. Where's the app? Ain't nobody back there, huh? Hallelujah! Worship, shout! Hallelujah! The Bible says if, 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 the, if the people don't praise Him, the projectors will cry out. Or the rocks will cry out. Something will cry out. We are free to shout, to dance, to clap, to sing. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing hymns and psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms with gratitude to in your hearts to God. Psalms, the actual the book of Psalms, were part of the worship of the people of Israel and part of the worship of the early church and the church throughout the ages. Part of the liturgy of the church are the Psalms. Part of the liturgy of the church are the hymns. What are hymns? Well, hymns are more, you know, than just what's in the Redback Hymnal. Because those, while well, well, there's some good stuff in there, Colossians was written by Paul before the Red Back Hymnal was published. Right? I mean, we know that, right? Right? Where's my amen? And so when it talks about hymns, it's not just talking about what's, what's in the, the Red Back Hymnal. It's talking about those, those songs that are written as testimonies to the goodness of God. 
spiritual song, one of those songs of worship, of the goodness of God. So we sing and we worship with gratitude in our hearts to God. 2 Samuel chapter 6, it says, David, wearing a linen ephod, danced before the Lord with all his might. You are welcome to dance before the Lord, unless... Unless scripture is mistaken when it tells us to dance before the Lord. Luke 6, 23 says, Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven, for that is how their fathers treated the prophets. Leap, rejoice, be glad. Be glad and rejoice. Jesus is alive. There is hope and there is salvation, and there is restoration, and there is reconciliation, and we have been made new through the blood of Jesus. We have been washed, we have been purified, we have been set free by Christ Jesus, and we should have joy in our worship. I want us to look this morning at Jacob as we continue our By Faith series. I want us to look at Jacob and his worship and his faith and how they were related, okay? So I want us to look at the faith of Jacob's request. You've got your Bible, Genesis chapter 47. It says, and when time drew near, everybody got there? When you're there, say, say, amen. Genesis chapter 47, I want us to read together, starting at verse 29, it says this, and when time drew near that Israel must die, that's Jacob, the Lord changed his name to, to, to Israel, he called his son Joseph and said to him, if now I have found favor in your sight, put your hand over my thigh and promise to deal kindly and truly with me. Do not bury me in Egypt, but let me lie with my fathers. Carry me out of Egypt and bury me in the burying place, he said. I will do as you have said, he answered. And he said, swear to me, and he swore to him. Then Israel bowed himself upon the head of his son. Here's what Jacob did. Jacob knew he was about to die. He called him his son. He said, promise me that you will not bury me in this land. This is not the land of promise. This is not the land that was promised to me. This is Egypt. This is the land of bondage. This is a land where, where there's going to be bondage. He didn't understand the fullness of it, but he knew that it wasn't where God had, had promised Abraham to be and his descendants to be. And he says, so take me out of here and bury me in the land of promise with my fathers and my forefathers, because that is what the Lord spoke to Abraham. That is the promised land. Bury me there. And so it says that he worshiped. He bowed on his staff and he worshiped not because of where he was in the moment but where he was going to be he 
worshiped not because of where he was, but where he was going. He worshiped because he knew what was coming. He wasn't going to stay in the land of bondage. He wasn't going to stay in the land of Egypt forever. Even even if it took death, he was going to go back to the promised land, and he was going to receive the reward and the inheritance that was made to him through Abraham. He worshiped because he knew where he was going. It was immediate worship based on a postponed promise. See, his right now worship was based on a not yet fulfillment. He worshiped in that moment because of what was coming. His present worship was based on a future happening. See, I, I believe, church, I believe it's, a, it, it's time that we worship God in the right now because we are confident in what's coming. We stop worshiping God in the right now when we don't believe what he has said. When we stop believing the promise, when we stop believing what he has said he will do, when we stop believing in the future that he has for us, we stop worshiping in the present that we are in. It's time that we that we believe that we will see what he has said and it will come to pass and we worship because listen, 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 listen. What he has said is worthy of our worship. And if you're not going to worship him now by faith, you may not be able to worship him later by experience. time that we worship God in the right now because we are confident in the not yet. Not yet healed. Well, right now I'm going to worship because I have the promise of the cross. Well, I'm not yet sorrow free. I'm going to worship in the right now because I know that God has carried my sorrows. I've not yet experienced a miracle, but I'm going to worship in the right now because I believe that all things are possible with God and that he will do exceedingly and abundantly above all I could ask or imagine. So I'm going to worship in the right now because I know the God of tomorrow and the God of the promise. I'm not sure I'm really feeling this confident about paying my tithes. I'm not sure, but I'm going to worship in paying my tithes. Because God said, I will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I'm going to worship and then the giving of my tithes. I'm not sure right now the direction that I should go in my job or in school or in a relationship that I'm in. But I'm going to worship God in the right now because I trust that he has a perfect plan and he will direct my path according to his His word and he will, he will direct me according to his spirit. So even though I don't understand everything about the now, I'm going to worship him because I know that he has my life in his hand. Listen, church, don't allow the not yet to keep you from the right now. Don't allow the not yet fulfillment to keep you from the right now worship. Don't allow the not yet 
fulfillment to keep you from the right now obedience. Don't let the not yet fulfillment keep you from the right now faithfulness. Don't let the not yet keep you from the right now. Jacob leaned on his staff as he worshipped because he knew what was coming. By faith he worshipped. How did how did he worship? He worshipped by leaning on his staff. Uh, this this is this image of this elderly man, weak, feeble, knowing he is about to die. His body is worn out. He knows what's coming. Even if I just have to lean on this staff, even if I just have to lean against it, I'm going to bow my head in, in worship and in humility. I'm going to get up. I'm going to do everything it takes to worship. He was physically weak, but he was spiritually strong. He was physically weak, but his worship He was physically weak, but his faith Even if I got to lean on this staff, God is worthy of my worship. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to trust in the promise, and I'm going to see it. I'm going to dwell in it. He did not make any excuses. make excuses for our lack of worship, our lack of participation in worship. I was tired. I was too tired to get up out of bed that Sunday morning. It was, it was a long night at the bar, and I was just really tired. I just didn't really feel good. Did you see the way that person looked at me when I walked in the sanctuary? I was worshiping Jesus today. We don't say that out loud, but that's what's in our hearts. We often allow distractions, church, to move our thoughts and our attention and our worship away from God something else. First Thessalonians 5.16 reminds me to just rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not be anxious for anything but in all things. With thanksgiving we often allow our circumstances to dictate our worship. We often allow our circumstances 
to dictate our worship. As things are going well, we rejoice. As things are going bad, we stay home. Or we come to church and we're really, really not home. We allow our circumstances to dictate our worship and our response. When Jacob's about to die, he leans on his staff. Nothing is going to stop him from Johann Sebastian Bach said this. He said, the aim and final purpose of all good music should be to glorify God. The aim and final reason, final purpose of all good music should be to glorify God. Bach said that, that music was for nothing else. But the primary reason of music was to bring glory I don't know about you guys, but I've been bumping Bach all week. I haven't really. But what Bach said is true. Bach used his musical abilities for God. There were two groups of religious people primarily in Bach's day within, within the church, the Christian church. And, and they, they fought against each other. Uh, Christians don't usually fight. It's just very unique situation. I was about to take my shoe off and kill that wall, so just heads up. If my shoe comes off and I start running around here, it might be the glory, it might be a wall. But there were two groups of religious people that were, that were against each other. It was the Orthodox and the, and the Pietists. And they each had their theologians and their ministers telling you. They each had their theologians and their ministers, and they picked their sides. But for people like Bach, y'all pray. people like Bach, there was truth, there was some truth in both movements. Truth in the Orthodox movement and truth in the Pietist movement. I believe that we are, we, we are mistaken if we're not willing to listen to other folks and to learn from one another. I'm gladly and proudly a Pentecostal boy. But there's some good Presbyterians I like to hear preach. Give me some Tim Keller, and I'll amen him. It would probably be weird if I started running in the, in the, in the service with Tim Keller, but might do it. And so there were these Orthodox and these Pietists. There were truth in both movements. Pietists saw faith as this personal thing that life-changing, personal, and they were very pious. The Orthodox tended to be more traditional. Bach served in two churches 
in Mohawken. He served in a Piuscuit church. He served in an Orthodox church. All Bach wanted to do was bring glory to God through his music. Bach is almost the patron saint of church musicians. We know this all around the world. Bach is recognized as one of the greatest musicians that has ever lived, greatest composer that has ever lived. He, he spent his entire life in Germany, greatly influenced the legacy and the life of Martin Luther. Luther himself had been a musician declaring music second only to the gospel itself. Bach was to be that reformer's greatest musical disciple. Bach worshipped God with his abilities. Bach understood that true worship is not about the music. It's not about the emotion. It's not about the setting. It's not about the band. It's not about the song. True worship is about the heart. Israel, Jacob was worshipping because he knew he wasn't going to be in Egypt forever. True worship is not only about the heart. True earth worship is an act. True worship is an act of faith. It's an expression of your dependence on Him, an expression of your reliance upon Him, an expression of your thankfulness to Him, an expression of your love to Him. True worship is this substance evidence thing we've been talking about. Faith is substance evidence. If you have faith, it will be evident. If you have the substance of faith, there will be evidence of faith. Worship is one of those evidences of the substance. If you have the substance of faith within you, worship is going to be seen, it's going to be lived, it's going to be demonstrated. You will be a worshiper because there is a substance of faith within you. Worship, though, we talked about music. Worship, though, is more than a song. Worship isn't just a thing you do when you gather together and sing songs. Worship is this matter of the heart. It's a lifestyle of the not yet right now. Not yet happened. Right now I'm going to worship by faith. There's a worship band, and I, w- I want you to hear something that they had to say. Worship band name uh, would go by Leland. Leland is the last name of some of the guys in the band. Um, they did an interview about worship. They're worship leaders. And, and I, want to, I want to read to you what they said, okay? So Jack in the band, Leland, he said, I think it goes back to our main topic of what we're talking about, which is raising up a generation of worshipers. Does that mean raising a, up a generation of songwriters or singers? No. He says it means quite the opposite. Raising up a generation of worshiper means get going past songs and past music into a lifestyle that glorifies God. He says, yes, music is amazing. It's a great way to worship God. But there are so many other ways to worship Him outside of art. Our goal is to help people find ways to dedicate their whole lives to God and worship in every aspect of their lives. I definitely think there are a lot of ways we've missed as a church to worship God. Matt in the band says this, for us, it's more of a lifestyle 
We try to do the same on stage or on the bus or wherever. Worship is definitely living a lifestyle of prayer and being in relationship with God. I think if you really want to define worship, it's a lifestyle that is trying to be pleasing to God. said, worship is anything that's glorifying God, whether that's praying or hanging out or cleaning up the church after worship or cleaning the toilets. Anything that's glorifying God in your life or in a song is worship. It literally is your whole life devoted to God. You need to see your life as an act of worship. One says this, therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The only way to live your life as an act of worship to your Creator is to understand that God is not only after your hands or your voice, He's after your heart. A lifestyle of worship. We worship by faith. We worship This morning, our kids in here, we've, we've uh, had a lot of activities this morning already. Glory to the Lord. Some churches have snakes. We have wasps. This is our first Sunday to have wasps, so we're not quite used to it. But next week, we'll, if, if we pass the wasp stage, we're going to move to the scorpion stage. Then, and then after that, we'll bring the snakes out. Okay? Um, so, come back. even in the midst of all of the commotion, maybe the distractions that we've had this morning, that the Holy Spirit has still spoken to heart. The Holy Spirit has still drawn people closer to God today. To Jesus Christ. Because if Cannot hold Jesus. 
be distracted in a worship service will not stop the Holy Spirit from speaking into people when the Holy Spirit desires to speak into people. This morning, we want to be a people of worship. We want people to sing, dance, shout, but we want people to be a people who live out their faith. In our attitudes, in our actions, in our thoughts, in our behavior, in our serving and in our giving, in our love and in our grace. We want to be people who worship. This morning, if it's your first time at New City Church, there's a card in the seat in front of you. I want you to fill that out. Turn that in on your way out this morning. We want to connect with you. We want to uh, pray for you this week. We want to have a gift for you. So if it's your first Sunday, fill out that card. Drop it off on the, the, the welcome desk out in, in the lobby. We have a, call, a gift for you, and we want to connect and pray for you this week. Conclusion of, of, of the prayer, my wife is going to go to the back of the, of the, the service and wait and, uh, to, to assist anyone this morning. We're going to pray. Usher, the conclusion of our service. There'll be an usher at the back of the, the church with a bucket. I invite you to drop. You have cash or check and to pay your tithes or offering. You drop that in. There are other ways to give. You can give through our app. The easiest way to give is just to go to newcitycog.com/slash/give. newcitycog.com.